All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. Back on the ones and twos, safely traveled home from South Bend. Super producer Brandon Newman, and we've got a great show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating, check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. We have got major firing in the NBA. We have got the Warriors evening up their series at two apiece, and we will have former Tulane quarterback star and VSIN analyst Sean King joining us to get ready for the Kentucky Derby this weekend. But we are joined uh, today by my father, Mike Golick Sr., who's been hanging out with us all week. And in celebration mode, our friend and new Meadowlark and DraftKings employee, Charlotte Wilder. Aunt Char, how we doing? Congratulations, friend. Thank you so much. And thank you for accommodating me to do a Wilder Wednesday on a Friday. Well, you know, all days ended. Yeah, all days end in Y to us, Charlotte. So, you know, it's it doesn't matter one way or the other. Um, I would I hope the Brinks truck backed up to your house for this one, huh? This is like a major NFL quarterback signing, right? To sign you. Oh my god. <laughs> Mike, that is uh I I don't know that I'd go that far. Um, but you know, maybe 
maybe I'm a I'm a veteran journeyman who is working her way uh, up through <laughs> the ranks. Maybe we'll put it that way. Listen, a vet minimum is a great gig right now if we look at the NFL price scale. So would never get mad at that. Always said that was a goal in life as a player to get to that point. And so if I can get to that on the media side, life is pretty good. Now, you went down, Charlotte, and announced that in Miami. You saw the new Levitard show set up. You previewed. So what can you tell us here? Obviously, everybody in our audience knows and loves you for Wilder Wednesdays. So does this allow Wilder Wednesdays to continue? What else can you tell us about the nebulous Charlotte Wilder project that's coming up here? Well, I mean, I, I do have some bad news for our listeners. Um, yes, Wilder Wednesdays will continue. Um, hey. I will be here every Wednesday. No, I'm kidding. This has been This has been just the highlight of my year. I love doing this with you guys. I love that we're... We're making it official. Um, going down there was amazing because, you know, I've followed the show for so long, and but it's always been on my phone. And it's also, it was at the Clevelander. And now it's in this, you know, gorgeous new fancy hotel where like all these famous people are. <laughs> and I walk in and I'm like, oh my gosh, these are nice digs. Um, but everyone was so welcoming and, and it was just really fun to, be on the show and you realize how many people listen. Like I was getting texts from friends being like, oh my God, I was listening. And all of a sudden your voice was there. And it's just, it's just really um, exciting. It, it feels, it feels big. So. I'm, I'm excited because I think now we have someone with incredible writing skills like yourself. Now you can eventually write a book because you're sitting there with Dan Levitard and Stu Gotts and the shipping container, the amount of stories that you could possibly go pen to paper with in about 10 or 20 years, I think could be incredible. Maybe I should, uh, I didn't actually meet Stu Gotts, but um, maybe I should be the official chronicler of the pirate ship. I, wow. I feel like you writing the pirate ship tell-all book is destiny. Now, I would say this. Don't offer to do too much around Stu Gotts because when you said official chronicler, all I can think of was Stu Gotts bullying Billy Gill for years to help him write Stu Gotts's official record book. And you don't want any part of that, Charlotte. He's not going to pay you. It's not actually going to happen. So we'll we'll make sure that you walk down there next time. I'm sure Jessica Smetana, who the internet thrilled to see the two of you guys united so back officially so under sweet. the same umbrella. Yeah, it was so lovely. And I'm going to be doing something with them that, um, you know, outside of the, the main show. So I'll let people know that when I'm officially sanctioned to let them know that. But um, yeah, it was the internet... The internet was so lovely. Um, they brought back a bit. Someone was like, can you guys do the the Mike Trout fan club? Um, because we had this fan club when we both worked at Sports Illustrated where it's like Mike Trout is the athlete who says the least. Like every single social media post, he would just post like an airplane like and say Miami or like an airplane and say Chicago. And we were like, May or he also liked the weather a lot. So, you know, it was sort of like the most boring fan club of all time, which I think is kind of the dream, actually. Well, I think yeah. Mike, Trout Mike Trout did a, did a weather world. report. Yes. yes. Yeah, he did a weather report. Yeah, one time for one of the local stations. Yeah, at least he tweets original. I'm still a quote tweeter. I still have to, to step up my game outside of me you, also having so my daughter do my Twitter. You're so hard on yourself about that, Mike. Quote tweeting is still tweeting. That's still legitimate. You don't have like not everything has to be, you know, some I mean, I tweet not quote tweets and they're all 
you know, a lot of those are just bad jokes. So you might as well springboard <laughs> off of someone else's idea. Right. I've spent all morning here quote tweeting about which two concerts have you attended that show the fullest range of your musical taste. And it's been an incredible journey finding other people that are fans of both Taylor Swift and Korn. Dad, you were actually there for the Korn concert that I attended, which in and of itself, Snoop Dogg, Linkin Park, and Korn in the 2007 Project Revolution Tour might be the most diverse concert that I'll ever go to, period, but that is the product yeah. of quote tweeting. So, Dad, you shouldn't feel all that bad about it. Also, I feel like you'd have a really interesting answer to that question, considering yeah. we spent the what better part yours? of this week talking about Gordon Lightfoot. Well, I, my, my two concerts uh, would be, the first one would be, yes, Gordon Lightfoot, who just passed at 84, last of the great Canadian troubadours, great singer-songwriter. Uh, I mean, started touring in the 60s. So listening to his storytelling music. And then when I was with the Philadelphia Eagles, me and Mike, your mother went to see the Rolling Stones. So that's those are those are pretty different things there. The Stones and, and Gordon Lightfoot. I would have liked to see seeing them do like a, a mix, you know, or a feature, you know, one of those things, whatever you kids call that nowadays uh, and, and see that happen. But but those, those, I think, are some, some pretty opposite end uh, concerts right there. That's Charlotte, what of. about you? <laughs> oh, my God. Mine, I've had some weird ones. Um, the, the first concert I ever went to is pretty embarrassing. Uh, it was Rascal Flatts concert in, in Foxborough, Massachusetts, uh, which I'm not necessarily proud of, but I can't deny and then one of the best ones ever was Naughty by Nature came to Colby College in Little Waterville, Maine, and I got to be on stage with them. I don't know how it happened, but wow. it was really delightful. Wow. You know what? You don't question God's timing at Colby College when it comes to that. <laughs> um, and guys, if life is a highway, then let's ride it back to what we saw last night, a beatdown uh, for the Lakers at the hands of the Golden State Warriors next here on Gojo. Hey dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision and just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. So, Dad, scale of 1 to 10, how full of regret are you that yesterday, after both of us talking before the show about the line going into Golden State Lakers, 
game two are you that you didn't bet your entire life savings on Golden State? I think closing at minus six and a half in game two against the Lakers that they ended up winning 127-100. I am I am so dumb is what I am. That's all we talk about. <laughs> even your mother, even your mother during the game is like, well, did you put, you know, did you put, put stop? I'm like, no, she's like, you guys were so sure of it. She said, you couldn't even back it up with that. Not only was I going to do that, but I figured it would be a blowout so much that uh, that Steph, I think the over-under on him was like 30 or 30 and a half. And I was going to bet the under thinking they're going to blow him out. He's not going to play a lot late in the game. And it's exactly what happened. Now, listen, I'm not alone. Everybody thought that. Pretty much everybody thought that was going to happen. But, I mean, it happened like it was, uh-oh, scripted because all the conspiracy theorists are going to be out there now on this one. But this one was so easy to tell with a – kind of a injury prone guy like AD and a guy who can get tired legs in LeBron that this game was going to go this way. And it was horrific. Don't, don't yeah, sell yourself I, short though. You were still right. You were still right. Yeah, but everybody I, else I might could have been saying it, but you were saying it too. I could have been right and had more money though. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah, see, say before, Dad, in your life in previous years, it was just enough to be right. Now that you work for a gambling company, if you're not right and loading up your pockets, yeah. what are we even <laughs> doing here exactly? But it, it was, Charlotte, like the easiest thing to see coming. I don't know what it is right now, if there's a surer bet in sports, than home teams who just lost game one of a playoff series baptizing the road team in game two. We saw it in the Celtics series just the other night, and now Golden State came out, and it's exactly what we thought. Anthony Davis regression game. He only has 11 points after the 30, 23, and 5 game in game one. And Clay Thompson decides to go off. Was there any part of you that was stunned by this? Or is this just what we should expect for this series? Kind of the up and down that comes with AD. No, I think it's the up and down that comes with AD. But I also was not surprised because of the Celtics just absolutely destroying the Sixers, because, you know, I'm there, I see Joel Embiid come on my screen, and I'm immediately, like, I want to crawl under the table and just hide until it's over. And then I think that sometimes teams really rally when they don't have their guy, and, and it's like, we're the underdogs, we're going to do it without, without the MVP of the entire league, and they do, and then Joel came back. And so after that, I was sort of like, I'm never going to bet out Steph and Clay and Draymond when they have been beaten when they have something to prove. I mean, Steph goes into the locker at halftime and reads the mean tweets on his phone and then comes out and scores 30 points. Like, he literally does that. There was a report, and I, I'm blanking on who said it. I'm sorry. Um, but it's like, it, it's death taxes and and the Warriors coming back to destroy people. So I think that we can expect it. I also, though, don't know what that trend is going to look like as we go forward. Cause now things to me start to get really interesting. I, I still fear golden state, you know, more if I was playing against them, like the Lakers, I, I still, I still favor golden state in this one, just because of what you said, Charlotte. I mean, they can get so hot And that this one, actually the Lakers were up seven after the first quarter and then promptly got outscored 84 to 47 in the second and third quarter. Cause everybody just kept hitting. You mentioned uh, uh, clay, what, eight threes? That's the sixth time he's done it most in NBA history in the playoffs. I mean, it's ridiculous what he's done. For How about for Steve Kerr? Steve Kerr, it's the 17th time he's coached a team 
that a playoff team that's won by more than 25 points. He broke the tie with his former coach, Phil Jackson, who had 16, and now he's tied with his former coach, Greg Popovich, who also has 17. So he's going to break that at some point. But this team can just, just like they showed in game one when they were down, what, 11 or 12 with five minutes to go, and with a matter of a minute and a half or two minutes, it was back toward even again, just because of the way they can drop them. So I, I fear this team because they have two of the greatest shooters all time, and they can just get back in a game or blow you out pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree. They've got Clay Thompson and Jermichael Green, two of the greatest shooters that we've ever seen. This is the uh, this is the Kayvon Looney actual flu game, by the way, because you know, as we talk about the Warriors and the changes they made, I heard JJ Redick, one of our teammates here on Old Man and the Three, talking about how he anticipated Golden State downshifting in Game Two, going smaller lineup, trying to use that as their advantage and space with shooters and. Part of that was by design, and the other part was also Kevon Looney showed up to the arena and Golden State found out he was under the weather. He was feeling pretty sick, so they only wanted to play him like 20 minutes or so. And so when you combine that with their understanding that, hey, we're probably not going to beat this Anthony Davis-led Lakers team going big on big like that all the time. We need to space the floor. So they bring Jermichael Green out, who goes for 15 points in 13 minutes in this game. LeBron said it felt like he played 30 minutes with how impactful he was. <laughs> and that tone there, the way Dante DiVincenzo and the other small bodies on this team showed up, it, it was really impressive show after we got a Rui Hachimura game, especially in the first quarter. LeBron did most of his damage in the first quarter. So I, I, I would imagine Golden State's going to stick with something like this, at least for game three. We saw the last time they did this in the series prior when Draymond Green was suspended for game three in the prior series. And then they started Jordan Poole at the guard. It worked so well that even Draymond's like, let's stick with it. You'd have to imagine Jermichael Green's going to get a chance to turn back into a pumpkin because the one thing I don't anticipate <laughs> is two of those games for him back to back, especially now that this series shifts back to Los Angeles, Charlotte. Yeah, whenever you say Dante DiVincenzo's name, you have to say Dante DiVincenzo. Dante. Um, Dante. <laughs> Dante. I actually had this. Al Dante. Dante. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I had the supreme pleasure of watching this game on a plane. And my favorite thing in the world is watching sports, big sports games on planes. And everyone's like, oh, the NBA ratings, like most watched series. And I actually have better data than any of the Nielsen ratings, anything anyone else can tell you. Every single screen on that Delta flight from Miami to New York was Golden State Lakers. And, you know, I think last night was also maybe Anthony Davis's flu game and he just didn't tell anybody. Um, but it, the, the data of the screens does not lie and I will die on that hill. It's always Community fun plane to see watching that on is one of the best things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whether it's on the TV that you have in front of you or if somebody ends up with that iPad and they're watching it, they're streaming it, yes. and everybody's kind of watching that, and they share it. It's it's very cool. And, and Anthony Davis, for his part, he was, what, 5 of 11 in this game with 11 points. He basically said, I shot the exact same shots I shot in game one. I just missed these. That was That was his reasoning for the game. And LeBron said, hey, we're one of the best defenses in the league. And statistically, they are. They're second defensively of the teams that are left in the playoffs. So he said, we know we can do better than this. We just have to. So that was basically, and what else is going to come out of those guys? It's 1-1. They had, they stole home court from Golden State. It's not that, like, you know, they're not going to throw their hands up. They're going to they're give you reasons for what happened, and then they're going to move on to game three.
it is a calculated risk. We talked about that the other day in game one, right? The Lakers were coming off three days rest. They knew they could come out and probably out effort and energy Golden State in game one and that there was going to be a concession here. But for everyone else, this just feeds into what we've already thought a lot about Anthony Davis, which is night in and night out. He's never going to be consistently the best player for them. We've seen throughout this playoffs, the graph for him looks hot and cold especially when it comes to point production. We know he's going to block shots. Three more in this game. He's going to affect shots at the rim that's basically closed. And then they got him in a little bit of early foul trouble, right? Draymond Green took that assignment because Tavon Looney was dealing with that sickness. And so they tried to rough him up a little bit more early and then make him run around the block some. So all of that definitely is what we expected in game two. Game three is going to be the measure of this. And Listen, if it's any past indication, I went back and looked. The last really competitive series between LeBron James and Golden State was that 2016 finals that they ended up coming back and winning. And the first few games of that series looked like these wild swings, right? 104-89 Golden State in game one. 110-77 Golden State over Cleveland in game two. 120-90 Cavaliers over Golden State in game three. So I won't be shocked either when the Lakers go back on home on their home court and all of a sudden get another Reeves game, get Rui Hachimura continuing to do I think they said he's got the fifth best three-point percentage in the playoffs of any player so far this postseason. So, uh, Charlotte, would you be surprised at all if the Lakers are able to come back and win this in game three? No, no, not at all. Because what you have in LeBron, what you have sometimes in AD, what you have in their supporting players, but also what you have in Golden State is pretty is pretty equal. They're just uneven at different times. And I and I think, you know, you watch Steph make a three, like the one he made where he's falling down and then it goes in. And it it we're so used to it that it starts to feel like of course it went in but then you stop and think about it and you're like this is magic and i think with lebron you know i he's gonna come up with some monster blocks the way he did in 2016 and we're all gonna once again just our jaws are gonna drop because it's we're running out of ways to describe how great these guys are without sounding like every other sports show on the planet for the past you know 15 20 years I, my my good friend Charlie Kravitz, who's the producer uh, over at Debatable at ESPN and for the Dominique Foxworth show, texted me the other day, and it's so true, Charlotte, about how we view the greatness in this series. And I think how excited people are is LeBron versus Steph is the era's tour for sports fans. It is Taylor Swift's era's tour because of how long we've experienced the greatness here. For a while, people had certain feelings about it. And now, because we are getting a new version of this, still with the people near the height of their powers, this is something everyone's pretty jacked up about because we also don't know how many more of these series that we're going to get. So yeah, while it sounds repetitive, it's also something that feels like it's worth celebrating because again, as these guys are 35 for Steph, 38 for LeBron James, we don't take this for granted. We just saw Federer and Nadal both crying together because Federer's retiring and we've seen these all-time greats going by the wayside. Now, Speaking of people at the height of their powers also leaving and exiting stage left, we did have more NBA news yesterday, guys. Mike Budenholzer got uh, ousted by the Milwaukee Bucks after having the best record in the NBA this season. Mike Budenholzer fired after the 8-1 upset in the first round. He's just the fourth coach in the last 50 years to lead his team to the best record and not come back the following season, according to the Elias Sports Bureau. So, Dad, did any part of this shock you? We figured something had to happen coming off one of the most disappointing upsets we've seen. 
You know, well, but it's happened a bit. You know, the three times they had the best record in the uh, in the league, they didn't make it to the finals. And he almost got fired uh, for one of those years, I think after the 20 season. Then they won the 21 championship, you know. And, and we always talk about in football, you just like the, what the Rams did. So you sell everything out, lose all your draft picks until like the year, you know, 2090. But you won a Super Bowl, so it's all worth it, and it buys you time. You don't get bought time in the NBA. You look at the last three of the four NBA championship coaches are gone. That's from 2019, the Raptors, 20, the Lakers, and 21, the Bucks. That's Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, and now Budenholzer. We know Nurse got let go earlier. Steve Kerr is the only one still there with his team. So winning that championship doesn't seem to buy you as much favor or time as it does in the NFL, which is somewhat interesting. But you can see where – they underachieved to have the best record and then not make it to the finals to be number one seeds and lose to an eight seed. Even though uh, Giannis missed what he played 11 minutes in game one, missed the next two games, but he was there for the last two that they lost and they had leads in those games that they lost. So there, there it's still surprising that championships don't buy you more time, but for the caliber of this team, you know, the expectation was not only to have more championships, but at least to be in the finals to, to, to put yourself in position to win more championships. I think that you're right, that something, unfortunately, that matters is if you look at his his Budenholzer's record with the Bucks in 2018-2019, lost conference finals next year, lost conference semifinals, won NBA championship, lost conference semifinals, lost in first round. There are too many losts there with Giannis to make that okay. And I always wonder, I always wonder, like, is firing the coach really the right thing to do in these circumstances? Is it what's going to fix things or is it what's going to make it look like you're fixing things? Like, I'm not in that building. I don't have sources on the inside. I would love to. Anybody reach out. But, like, you don't know quite where the problems are coming from. And sometimes firing the head coach is exactly the thing you have to do. Other times I think it is more for optics. And I would be very interested here to hear from insiders on what the real story is. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things rich people don't like getting embarrassed in front of company. And when you've got the owners and the decision makers on this team who said, hey, we just paid Giannis like $230 million and we're flooding all this money into the stadium and the properties around this team. And you just went out and laid an egg that famously while Giannis wants to talk about, hey, there's no such thing as failure and we're learning something from this. Results matter. It's you know Coach Beard freaking out and Ted Lasso saying, no, we are adults. There are people's jobs on the line. And when you've got the clock ticking on the most valuable commodity in sports, which is a superstar of Giannis's caliber, there is, I think, some consternation, especially, I'm sure, for a small market team that says, we really got to maximize this. Remember all the stress they were under before Giannis signed that expansion where we're going, all right, he's kind of starting to push some of the buttons on what is this franchise going to do to support me? They've got a big offseason coming up this year where I think um, Chris Middleton is, has a player. Yeah. Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday has a player option. Um, you've got Brooke Lopez, who, or excuse me, Robin Lopez, who is going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. So you've got big decisions to make. You've got one of the best players in the world, and you've got an extremely embarrassing result. And we know this is the NBA, right, wrong, or indifferent. The coach is usually the one that gets got. No matter how good you are, we just saw Nick Nurse fired in this same offseason cycle, an NBA champion. I saw Dame Lillard lamenting that. But, Dad, at the end of the day, they're always going to be the first one that people saw off in the name of, like Charlotte said, making it look like you did something. 
And you were right the first time. It was Brooke Lopez. And, you know, and Charlotte, to your point, right, is firing the coach solving the problem. But then the other side of it is he's the easiest one to fire. And you have stars on this team and you say, we have to make hay right now. Not putting Brooke Lopez when you need a defensive stop. Holding on to your timeouts. Little things like that probably add up. But he does walk away and falls on a cushion of $16 million owed to him. So, you know, I think we'd all like to go out that way if we have to go out. Yeah, no, hard, sure to, hard to cry too much for him there. So if anyone wants to pay us 16 mil to leave, we're happy to. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, uh, as we move things along here, it's a very busy weekend in the world of sports. We got the Miami Grand Prix coming up. We got more NBA playoffs coming up. But we've also got the Kentucky Derby. And so to help us get ready for that, we're excited to welcome into the show Sean King. You can catch him hosting primetime on VEASAN from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Tulane Greenwave legend, Super Bowl champion, and fan of the pony. So, Sean, good morning. We appreciate you giving us some time, man. How you doing? And down the stretch they come. (laughs) The greatest two minutes in sports. I cannot wait. Actually, it's Kentucky Oaks Day, so the Phillies run this afternoon. One of my favorite plays is the Oaks Derby double, so I cannot wait to get into this. Uh, it's going to be absolutely incredible. So, uh, Sean, a lot of things we want to touch on here, but I guess starting off first and foremost, there's been a lot of news this week so far about scratches in the Kentucky Derby. So what can you tell us in the lead-up about which horses are actually going to be running when it comes time for the race 2.30 p.m. Eastern tomorrow? Well, everything seemed to be fine yesterday. Um, I did a show at 2 o'clock Eastern about the Kentucky Derby. And right as the show was starting, you know, a Johnny Avello from DraftKings comes in and says, the scratching practical move. And so the lead up to the Kentucky Derby is very regional. Practical move was the West Coast's horse. He used the West Coast circuit. He won the uh, Santa Anita Derby. He was going to take a lot of West Coast money. And he got scratched, and I didn't like that because I like Angel of Empire. He came up through the Oakland Park, Arkansas Derby region. Then you have your New York region and your Florida region. So it's kind of regional as to the path of how you actually get to Kentucky. But that caught me by surprise, and it was kind of disappointing because to to the people watching and listening, in the parimutuel market, there's this big pot of money, and you want the best odds possible on the horse that you like. So when a horse like Practical Move gets scratched, now all that money that was going to be bet on Practical Move could end up going to the horse you like. And so unlike sports betting, where if you bet on Wednesday and you get plus 210, 
in horse racing, if you're in the parimutuel market, you get the post time odds. So if you bet a horse and he's 10 to 1, but he's 3 to 1 come Saturday, then you get the 3 to 1, not the 10 to 1. Well, I don't like that at all. Let me tell you, tell you that. <laughs> not, not a big fan of that. I'm glad, I'm glad you explained that one to me. But is there is there issues with the track itself? Because, I mean, we're just so used to turning on. I've been there a couple of times and watching this beautiful day, a beautiful race. What what are, if there are, issues with the track? Well, I don't know if there are issues with the track. There have been a couple uh, issues this week at Churchill. Um, one of the trainers who had a horse in the Derby, Lord Miles, uh, Safi Joseph Jr. has been suspended. His horse will be scratched. Uh, as I mentioned, Practical Move has been scratched. There also was a, uh, another scratch. I'm drawing a blank on the horse's name. So there are three horses from the also eligible list that are now in the Derby. And let me explain this, guys. Let's just let's presume that me, uh, Mike Senior, Mike Jr., we owned a horse that had enough points to run in the Kentucky Derby. We're going to run our horse even if we don't think he can win. Because we want to be in the owner's suite. You know, we want to bring our families. We want to have a horse in the starting gate for Kentucky Derby Day. So for a horse to scratch, that means something is really wrong with him. But I say that to say this. Last year, remember, Rich Strike came in off the also eligible list and upset the apple cart. Won the race at a huge price. The horses on the also eligible list are horses that those ownership groups and trainers really think can actually win. Because otherwise, you wouldn't keep spending the money to bring the horse to Kentucky to train him not being sure you would get in the race so that's why those horses when they get in off that list are always dangerous Sean what do you think I I went to the Derby in 2017 and wrote about it and it was one of the coolest wildest most star-studded events I've ever been to I mean the number of watches that cost over a million dollars at that place is wild. But what would your advice be to someone who's trying to watch and, and trying to bet um, who doesn't really know what they're doing? Like, should you just choose a horse based on a name or, or is there is there a little bit of science to this? For the so novices, listen, I put, a, I, I put a whole week of work into this. And listen, if they ran the Kentucky Derby four times Saturday, I guarantee you four different horses would probably win. And here's why. It's a 20-horse field. It's the only time American thoroughbreds are going to be in a horse, a field this size. So that's a lot of horses. A lot of things can go wrong. It's the first time any of these horses have run a mile and a quarter. So it's a distance we don't know how they're going to react to. So to answer your question, if you like the uniform one of the jockeys has on, if you like the <laughs> name of one of the horses, if you like the post position, like that's my favorite number, just simply put a win bet on that horse, sit back and enjoy the festivities. There we go. Easy advice for everyone to follow there. <laughs> for you, Sean, you said you put a whole week of work into this. So what are some of your favorite ways to bet the Derby? And what do you like going into this weekend? So I love the Oaks Derby double. So the Kentucky Oaks, the Philly version of the Derby is run today, this Friday. And I generally like to pick a couple horses from the Oaks and play the Oaks Derby double and pick a horse or two from the Kentucky Derby. Uh, last year, for instance, Secret Oath, trained by D. Wayne Lucas, won the Oaks at 9-2. As I mentioned, uh, Rich Strike upset the Derby as a long shot. That double paid $1,000 for a dollar. So if you would have played a $10 double, Secret Oath to Rich Strike, you'd have won 10 grand on $10. Like it has an opportunity to bring that kind of return. So what I'm doing is 
I'm playing the Oaks the Oaks Derby double. I like the eleven horse defining process and the fourteen horse pretty mischievous in the Oaks today. I'm gonna play the double and I'm gonna single the fourteen in the Kentucky Derby, Angel of Empire. And we're gonna sit back and we're gonna hope we get through the day and hope Angel of Empire can win the Derby tomorrow and hopefully we can get a magnificent, magnificent, magnificent payout. Well, that, that you know what? Is the Believe Oaks me, where I just, everybody I, wears pink? Sorry. Uh, I no, they. I, so all the ownership groups have what they call their own silks. So all the silks will be different colors. So they kind of like sometimes want to match. Like who knows? I don't have enough money to afford a Shetland pony, no less a thoroughbred. So <laughs> some of the specifics I may not know. So all right, some of the th- I I listened and wrote down everything you said about for the average person to make a bet. But you mentioned before post position. What which position do you like and why? Is is there some that are better than others and why? So uh, back in the day, so this is maybe like four years ago, I think they changed it. The Kentucky Derby used to have what they call an auxiliary gate, which is they had their regular starting gate, then they used to attach an auxiliary gate to it. And with that setup, if you had an inside post position in the Derby, you only had about maybe 100 yards before the turn came into play. And you had to try and really break and get over or you get squeezed. But they have a new gate now that has 20 stalls all in one. So the post positions aren't as bad. People talk about them. If you have a speed horse and you're somewhere 17 to 20, you got to use a lot of energy early in the race to try and get to the front so you can get over and across and not get wide on the first turn. Because you think about if you're on a track meet, and instead of having the staggered lanes, everybody started from the same position, but the runners out in lane eight that had to go around the turn had to run a whole lot farther. So, like, that's kind of the post position and why it kind of matters. Great insight. Great insight both on the actual racing, on the gambling portion of this. Now, Sean, we are a podcast of considerable size. Foods are very important to us. So what do you got? We know everyone's known for the mint julep. Everyone's got that as the staple. But for you, food or beverage-wise, what's the absolute must-have for Derby weekend? Uh, I don't kind of view Derby like that. Like, I'm more, like, into the actual races. So, like, I'll be playing races leading up to the Oaks, leading up to the Derby. So I'll be locked in. I probably will go a real fancy Tito's and soda. <laughs> my man and, and, and then whatever's there to eat i mean I, I'll, I'll i'll pick and choose but i don't do like it's not like a thanksgiving or a christmas or or something for me where like you know or, or new year's where you have black eyed peas it's, it's not a specific dish for me it's about the actual handicapping so that that's that's where you and the golick family would differ because our first priority would be what are we putting in our pie holes uh, and then going and, and betting with sauce all over our tickets uh, that we're betting. So, all right, so we're obviously looking forward to that. As Mike said, great insight on that. But you are also uh, an NFL quarterback, a college quarterback and an NFL quarterback. So let, let's shift there for a moment. And as mini camps are starting, and Mike and I were reliving the day of going to our first mini camps as a rookie, obviously you went through that as well. But as a quarterback, especially a, a top round quarterback or a top pick who may be starting right away, or really as it goes down the line to the other quarterbacks, for that position, since there were so many drafted, what's the most important thing they start to do when they get to mini camp? I think creating uh, who you are in the building. And, you know, I I mentor a lot of young quarterbacks in the league, and I tell them you never get a second chance to make a first impression. 
So that first week there, yeah, you want to be friendly. Yeah, you can have a little fun. But this is really about creating how you're perceived in that organization. So it's really about getting there early and staying late, especially early when you're still trying to learn the offense. You know, you want to make sure that everything you do in that mini camp is football centric. You'll have plenty of time to go hang out with your draft class and you'll have plenty of time to go explore the city and, you know, see what restaurants are there. Man, those initial mini camps all should be all about football, 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 football. Because uh, once you get a reputation in the organization, it's hard to change it, good or bad. Sean, do you have any of the quarterbacks from this year's class? And we saw a number of first-rounders. Will Levis ends up having that slide and fall all the way down to the Tennessee Titans. When you look at this rookie class, who do you are you most excited to watch or who do you think landed maybe the best spot to give them a chance at success early on? Well, Bryce Young is like Patrick Mahomes in the way he plays. Uh, he's not as big as Patrick. He doesn't have as good of an arm as Patrick. But in the way he improvises and creates – and makes people around him better, it's very Patrick mahomes is You think Patrick Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill, added Juju Smith-Schuster, and they went and won a Super Bowl. So by that, I mean, if you look at the Alabama roster, outside of Jameer Gibbs, this was the weakest group of skill talent Nick Saban's had in a long time. And it's really going to get exposed this year because now he doesn't have Bryce Young. So I'm down on Alabama. This is going to be interesting, <laughs> uh, what happens in Tuscaloosa. I thought C.J. Stroud was probably one of the most accurate kids throwing the football I'd ever seen. I mean, when you watch the tape, his, his ability to locate the ball, uh, all levels, all areas uh, of the field, I mean, it, it's second to none. Uh, they added Robert Woods at receiver. You know, I actually would have liked Houston to not trade up to three, stay at 12, and take Jackson Smith and Jigba to give, you know, CJ some more weapons. But they do got a good running back in Damian Pierce, so I think that's a fine. I, I thought the best fit was actually Anthony Richardson. Because Shane Steichen doesn't have to change anything. He ran an offense in Philly that's tailor-made for a quarterback with Richardson's skill set. So he doesn't have to adjust what he likes to do. And AR get a chance. Is he good enough? We'll find out. Can he make the adjustments? We'll find out. I will say this. The Colts have to get some speed on the edges. Philly's offense works because Dallas Goddard is a, a middle-of-the-field vertical threat. A.J. Brown's a run-after-the-catch guy. Devonta Smith is a, a, a down-the-field guy. Indy doesn't have that. They have Alec Pierce and Mike Pittman Jr., two big catch radius guys, but neither one with top end speed. They don't have a dominant tight end, so it'll be a lot of eyes in the box on uh, Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor in that run game. Uh, Will Levis, you know, listen, I, I feel for the young man. I don't want to see anybody have to, you know, live out that kind of disappointment on, on national television. And trust me, a whole lot of people were watching the draft, so – but I, if I'm a Tennessee fan, I don't know that Will Levis is better than Ryan Tannehill. I guess we'll find out. So it'll be interesting. You know, can he use this disappointment as fuel? Because uh, I wasn't as high on it as some people. I thought Hendon Hooker, actually. You know, and I, I started there to get to here. For the actual player, Hendon Hooker got the best situation. Because there are a lot of people that are really high on Hendon Hooker. Uh, except the fact that he's 25 going on 26 and he's coming off of ACL. But going to Detroit where they have Jared Goff will allow him to not be pressured to get healthy quickly. He can take his time, a lot like Jamison Williams, who they drafted last year, who ultimately didn't play to the last quarter. Hendon can take his time, get healthy, be learning at the same time. And if he can impress in practice, the Lions will have a, a real interesting decision to make because Goff 
sees the writing on the wall. So I know his agent is all right. I, from what we've heard, is saying, "Hey, Detroit. I mean, what are we doing? Are we going to extend this deal? Can I get some more money? Because I want some security." Yeah, no, he's he's definitely seeing it there, and it's a great point for the offense that Hendon Hooker came from in college to walk into Ben Johnson and that coordinator room now as a great way to learn the NFL game is a really exciting opportunity for that young man. Sean, we could talk to you forever. This has been so awesome. I'm looking forward to going and betting the Derby now after your advice here. Thanks so much. Enjoy Derby weekend. We know it's a big one for you. All right, and may all your head bobs go your way today and tomorrow. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks. Thanks. There we go. Oh, Sean King, I, check, I in. check him out. VEASAN primetime, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern. So I, I have to – like so, down to the brass tacks of this, and Charlotte, I, I want to hear where you are next. I didn't like the mint juleps. I am not a mint julep fan. I ended up, I went to a couple of these, just basically being my local beer drinking guy. Didn't like the mint julep. What, what You were there. What was your drink of choice? I actually liked the mint julep because there's something about that it, it was too sweet normally, but with the sun and there's this glorious moment after you've been there for like six hours and the main race is finally about to start and the sun is setting and everybody's singing and it's like a college football game. I think the closest environment is a college football game to the Kentucky Derby. Um, tried to bet on some horses, lost a lot of money, and then tried to expense it to Vox Media. Uh, just heads <laughs> up for any journalists out there, that doesn't work. They don't buy it. You know what? That that being said, we work for a gambling company now. We're all DraftKings employees here. So I feel like if there's anywhere where we could potentially expense horse racing, racing tickets, it's here at this job now. So going to throw this out early. DraftKings, I know we had a lot going on this year. Next year feels like we need to send the show battery here for a Wilder Wednesday live from the Kentucky Derby. I have never been, so I need to have Dad and Charlotte shepherd me through this experience. I need to go bet on these ponies, and I need you guys to cover the tab because, you know, this is just for <laughs> journalism and for the sake of the show. So hear us out on that one. Let's make it happen. Derby 2024, we're in. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. All right, time to finish this show off the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to end the day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating uh, and let Brandon know that you want him back here singing. I hear your cries. Brandon is really going at it with the brass right now. He is demanding compensation for this. He knows he's good at it, so he's not going to do it for free. But in the meantime, uh, guys, why don't we kick it off with this? 
CFB win totals open on DraftKings Sportsbook yesterday, the early look at college football season, and some pretty interesting lines out there when you look around the sport. For us, selfishly around here, as I've got the Fighting Irish mascot in the background, Notre Dame open with their season win total over-under at nine games. You've got Alabama, the over-under at ten and a half. I thought very interesting. Colorado and Deion Sanders, Charlotte, for all the talk about the roster turnover this offseason, the prime effect, all the sold-out season tickets, the over-under for win totals for them set at three wins, Charlotte. Oh, That shocks me. That shocks me. I mean, I guess not. When you have that many players entering the portal, I feel like that's what totally messes with the lines and spooks everybody. Um, But I feel like this is the worst thing that other teams could do for themselves is give Deion Sanders that chip, even more of a chip on his shoulder in terms of what he has to prove, which is that he can win more than three games. I think it's dangerous. I would bet the over on that. Uh, and and I I am going to go the opposite and bet the under. Listen, what where how he has brought attention to that place has been fantastic. Season tickets going up, that is all great. But Deion Sanders ain't playing on the field. They got basically a brand new team with a brand new system. They're going to get rocked. They're 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 going to go through it. Now you got to give him, and you can't judge what he does off his first year. You got to let him get into the portal, get his recruits, build his team. But I, I actually think three is pretty fair and that they're going to go through some growing pains this year. Yeah, this is a bad team last year that's going to really, I think, struggle to find any depth now building the team the way they did in the portal. Saw some of the other lines up there for people watching on YouTube, but you had Ohio State at 10.5. You had Texas and USC, I believe, both at 9.5. The interesting one to me is in the ACC. Clemson's been the perennial power around there. Clemson over under win total at 9.5. And Florida State opens at 10. Big year for Mike Norvell and company down there. Jordan Travis coming back at quarterback and a lot of talent that has people very high on Florida State heading into this season. So plenty of time to get to all that. Very excited uh, as college football season gets inches closer and closer coming off spring practice. Let's get to that, though. This was interesting I saw from Andrew Marshan, who obviously makes his living covering sports media. And he was on record the other day on his podcast saying that He thinks it's right now 51% no to 49% yes that Tom Brady would potentially walk away from his Fox broadcasting deal, that 10-year $350 million deal or whatever it was, uh, $375 million deal, excuse me, don't let me shortchange him, that he thinks that the travel, Tom Brady wanting to make sure that he's around his kids, that he's obviously splitting custody with with his ex-wife, Giselle Bundchen, dad... Is there anything that would have gotten you to walk away from $375 million? Or is this Tom Brady realizing he can be rich the right way like J.J. Watt? See, since I was never rich like that, your mother would never let me walk away from that. She'd be like, you're going to call games and you're going to do it for a long time. That's what you're going to do. So that's what I would be doing. Listen, he's in a different stratosphere. It wouldn't shock me if he didn't do it. He's going to be a year out of it. He's going to have a year of basically nothing. And then all of a sudden, this is a commitment when you call these these big games, three, four days out of your week where you're going to be at the place, even though he can fly private. But it is going to take up a lot of his time prepping and then being at the site. So after a year of not doing that, it would not shock me at all if he ended up saying, hey, you know what? I don't think I want to take my time up here, Charlotte. I also think that he might be scared of not being great at it right off the Mm. bat. 
when you've been the greatest of all time and then you start something that is pretty different, uh, uses similar, similar skill sets and knowledge base, but it is definitely not easy. Um, I think that maybe he doesn't want to have a learning curve. I, and, and I could kind of understand that. I don't know who Burnley FC's rival is over in the uh, English <laughs> soccer channels, but I feel like since Tom Brady big up JJ Watts retirement this year and is going to big up their hall of fame class, he should respond by going and buying just a slightly better, fully buying some European <laughs> yeah. football club over there. <laughs> by the way, though, biggest stock up in all of this, Greg, uh, Greg Olson hive, please stand up. Greg Olson is the yeah. number one in the Fox booth for me, could be the big winner out of all this. He's been awesome, and I hope that gets a chance to continue. So we'll wait and see, because Tom Brady does have more money than God and probably can look around at a landscape where a lot of former players in his grouping are doing things that don't require nearly that much work, um, including the Mannings, who he went to battle with for so long. But uh, guys, let's get to the third. Charlotte, you were just down in Miami. We've got the Miami Grand Prix heading up this weekend for Formula One. Dad, you obviously, for anyone who hasn't checked it out, does the podcast Golik and Smetty with Jessica Smetana, the Formula One correspondent over at Meadowlark. So, Charlotte, how was the views of everyone starting to flood into town for what we saw last year turned into one of the more star-studded sporting events in the country? It was actually crazy. I'm on the plane going down on Wednesday and all around me are these guys with McLaren jackets on. They were all part of the, the crew. I'm not a huge Formula One person, so I don't know the correct terminology here, but there were a lot of dudes wearing jackets that had car companies on them. And when I was leaving <laughs> yesterday, there were these two young guys who were sitting there complaining about how both of their girlfriends lived out of town, so they had to go visit them. So they were missing the Miami Grand Prix. And I was like, well, guys, looks like you didn't do your scheduling well and that's on you but seems like a lot of buzz is is building them down there two things about this one if you're the rich and famous and this is a miami thing as well now obviously other races like monaco and stuff are the same thing people are there to be seen i'd like to know how many of the rich are actually going to watch the race as well as just deck themselves out and be seen on their yacht or whatever just hanging out and the other is the opportunity for the normal person there who wants to get out for a week and rent their place for somebody coming in for the week, kind of like the Super Bowl. The amount of money that you could make by renting out if you have an area close to the, where the race is going to be, go ahead and get out of town and make yourself some money. Yeah, speaking of people getting out of town, I know uh, Dad and uh, Charlotte, Jess Matana heading out of Miami where she now lives and yeah. works to go back for a wedding on Grand Prix weekend. Absolutely brutal draw there. We hope none of this podcast was brutal for you. If you enjoyed it, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating and make sure you check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Hit up Charlotte's Substack, The Wilder Things. Check out Golik and Smetty as well. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you Monday. Boom. Money in the bank.